and that's uh, four verses. So the next chunk is four verses, and they cover the three scopes of the Lamrim, the three levels of the Lamrim. So there's uh, one first for the first level, one first for the second, and two firsts for the third level of the Lamrim. So those of you who don't know, because it's a teaching which is uh, it's coming from the Galuk tradition. And so the word Tibetan word Lamrim means uh, the step by step. The <laughs> anyway, step by step. Yeah. Um, and this is the way how in the Galuk tradition uh, the 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 whole Buddhist teachings are put into a into one into one path, into one model. And uh, it is a, it's a way to uh, give an overview over the whole Buddhist teachings, which first uh, came up uh, through the, the Master Tisha, an Indian master who came to Tibet in the, in the 10th century. And he wrote this text, uh, The Lamp on the Path to Enlightenment. And that's kind of the, the root text of this system of the Lamrim. And then uh, the founder of the Guluk tradition, Lama Tsongkhapa, he wrote this, well, probably one of the most important books of the Tibetan tradition, uh, the Lamrim Shenmo, which is like a whole... this this whole overview over the Buddhist uh, over the Buddhist practice. So they have similar teachings in the other Tibetan schools, but they, they are called different and they have different slightly different outlines. And by studying the Lamrim you you study you get an overview of how the Buddhist teachings, which sometimes seem to be contradictory, how they don't contradict each other, because they are, they they all make sense at certain moments of your spiritual development. So sometimes when we listen to Buddhist teachings, we go to a, a teacher who's talking about renunciation, for example, and then next weekend you go to a teacher who's talking about tantra or tsukshin. And then you feel this is completely different. How can that be the Buddhist teachings? Completely different. They contradict each other. This teacher is saying this, and this teacher is saying that, and they all claim it's Buddhist teachings. But the thing is that when the Buddha was teaching, he was always, because of his intuition or his clairvoyance, he was ab always able to as a skillful mean to present as a skillful means to present the teachings in the way that he met the audience where it was kind of where what, what kind of antidotes or what kind of medicine the audience needed <coughs> and they say it's even it worked even in that way that that what the Buddha said was heard by the different people in a different way because it fitted, you know, it fitted them. So the Buddha would say a sentence and this person would hear that and that person would, would hear that because that was the medicine for that person and that was the medicine for that person. And of course, it's like with a doctor. You know, if you go to a doctor, like if you observe a doctor, uh, then a, a, a patient comes in and then the doctor says, wow, it's really, it would be really helpful for you to, to eat less. And he makes this diet plan for that, for that patient. Next comes the next patient, patients, and then the doctor said, wow, it would be really great if you would eat a bit more. And then he makes a diet uh, 
uh, plan for that person. So now if you collect the teachings of this doctor, then you would say, so now what should I do? Should I eat less or should I eat more? It's contradictory. It does not fit together. Yeah. But then if you understand the system, then you see, ah, it makes sense. At that stage, it makes sense to eat more. At that stage, it makes sense to eat less. And uh, so that's uh, that's what you, what you get when you when you uh, when you uh, when you study the Lam Rim. You get a kind of this the, the overview. And then, whenever you hear Buddhist teaching, no matter Theravada tradition, Mahayana tradition, Tantrayana, doesn't matter. You have like ah, this fits here. Ah, this fits there. Ah, this fits here. And then you don't, then then you don't wouldn't say ah, the Theravada, that's not really the Buddhist teachings, or the Mahayana, this is made up, or oh God, the Tantrayana is completely fantasy, because you have the you have the overview. And the basic structure of this uh, this uh, this path is uh, is divided into three scopes or three levels. And a big part of these three levels is the heartfelt intention, the heartfelt motivation of the person who is practicing on that level. What's the intention? What's the goal? What's the aim of this person? So and and Tongwe Shampo, Tongwe Sampo, uh, he kind of gives the essence in these four verses uh, around these three levels. And of course, we are not going to go into all the details of the different uh, scopes, uh, so that. That is something we can do at a later point. But maybe you got a bit uh, curious now to uh, to get uh, into the into these teachings of the Lamram. So I will read you the the first for the first scope. It's first eight. The suffering in the lower realms is, is extremely hard to endure. The sage says it is the result of destructive actions. For that reason, even if your life is at risk, don't engage in destructive actions. This is the practice of a Bodhisattva. The suffering in the lower realms is extremely hard to endure. The sage says it is the result of destructive actions. For that reason, even if your life is at risk, don't engage in destructive actions. This is the practice of a bodhisattva. So the suffering in the lower realms is extremely hard to endure. So, as always, observe your reactions when you hear that. Hear that huh? Suffering in the lower realms is extremely hard to endure. So the the lower realms 
maybe I can read what uh, Ken McLeod writes about uh, what the lower realms are. The lower realms are the worlds projected by anger, greed and survival. The worlds of, our, of your most basic instincts, the worlds where your only options are to fight or flee, to eat or be eaten, to kill or die. So the lower realms are the worlds projected by anger, greed and survival. So I think it's really helpful for us to see the lower realms not as some places out there. No, there are no places out there. There's nothing out there. Independent from a mind. Independent from projections. That's basic emptiness teaching. There is no universe out there independent from our projections. It, lo it seems like that, but that's the basic ignorance. It seems like that as if there is some anything... It seems like that as if there is something happening out there independent from our projections. And there is nothing there happening independent from our projections. So how far is... You know, the, the lower realms, they are the hell, the hells, the hungry ghosts and the animal realm. How far are they? How far are they, you know, like, how, how long do we, do we need to travel to get there? It's like that. We don't need to travel somewhere, it's here. Now, those of you who have ever taken, you know, some hallucinogenic drugs, they know that. You know, you're sitting safely at home, Nothing happens, and suddenly you are in hell. I mean, we not even need to take drugs for that. I mean, we are, we are lying. <laughs> no, we are lying in the bed, in the safe bed. We have food, we have water, we have shelter. Not only that, it's very likely we, that we also have food, water, and shelter the next day. Very, very likely, like, I mean, almost 100%. And there we are, we're lying in bed and we're in hell. Where's the hell? In our projections. It's self-created hell, self-created prison. Every, every other animal in, in that place would completely relax. A any other mammal on this planet would completely relax in that bed where you end up every evening. And you have been ending up in that bed every evening until now, your whole life. <coughs> and, I mean, we're not, we don't know what happens. There could be like a third world war or something. But like the next few weeks, I think it's quite likely that's going to continue like that. So where's hell? It's it's here. It's in it's it's uh, it's states of mind. But states of mind solidified solidif solidifying itself. Yeah. So it's not just uh, kind of a, like a dream is also a, like a projection. So you can dream up a horror scenario and then you wake up. But the the kind of dream we are living in. It's kind of solidified. It, solidi it, solidi it solidifies itself. So it works something like that. Let's take an example. You have a job, and there's really an unpleasant boss. And this unpleasant boss is after you. How do you respond to that? Yeah. 
So if that boss kind of triggers in you a conditioning, a vulnerability, which you brought into the situation from childhood, from your upbringing, then it could be that you you re respond to that uh, to that threatening situation really from these basic survival instincts, like really like really freaking out. I mean, I, I'm not saying this in a no, you are stupid and you shouldn't do that. It's like uh, we can't help ourselves because we are so governed and influenced by the wounds and the conditioning we are coming from. So, so you respond from what he says here, from, from most basic instincts, flee or fight. Maybe you are a fighting person then, so you, 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 you go back. You know? So you, you, you slander, you start to mob, you try to, you know, you try to pay back. So this situation brings the bad out of, not the bad, the, yeah, the survival instinct out of you. Maybe that's a good way to put it, so that we don't, that we don't put that person down in that situation. So, what happens then that you you are you know, in a traditional way it's being described that with each uh, which with each thought with each actions with each word which which comes from your the mean part in you the mean part is there because you feel threatened it's not because you're a bad person but each each uh, word you say each uh, creates an energetical residue which will go which will travel with you and which will solidify in you a view on the world that there's many mean people out there you see it's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's the uh, that's that's how it appears. That's how it appears. Why? Why? No, you could come. You could come to the conclusion. Wow, there's so many people, main people out there. That's a projection. And where does that come from? Where does that projection come from? Do you think Martin Luther King and Gandhi were running around with Jesus, like Jesus walking through the country and saying, wow, there's so many mean people here. Mm. Or the Buddha. He would still see you know, actions and would be able to distinguish between constructive and deconstructive actions. But back to that story. So, in that, uh, in, the, in this anxious place, when you start to act from these basic survival instincts, uh, so you create these energetical residues, and you solidify for yourself a, 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 a place where you feel more and more that people are after you, and it's absolutely real for you. It's out there. It's absolutely real. You, you, you don't notice that you are caught in your own conditioning, in your own projections. So, in a way, so, and that's how you shape the world you live in. So, and, and you come to a place where your only options are to fight or to flee. I mean, you come to that place, you feel this is the only option I have, to fight or to flee. There are so many mean people. So, uh, you know, you, you can imagine, I mean, I, this is like extreme now. I, I'm, I, I'm describing extreme space, a uh, case. But imagine, we, we, you can feel how a person like this comes into a place where he does not trust anyone anymore. 
that's a hell. So that person, uh, th that person, ends up in a hell. And that is not a place out there. It's 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 uh, built up and cemented uh, through projections, through destructive actions. It's called destructive actions here. So what is important that we don't bring our Christian, you know, what kind of Greek ethical system into this that it's about you know like I'm bad and I need to be punished and feeling guilty and 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 so on it's just it's you no know, we need to you need to uh, connect with compassion there that you and also that person which ends up in a place like this you know fighting for survival being as really a scared little boy, a scared little boy, a girl. And then doing harmful things. So that what that part that part in you does not need does not need punishment, it does not need to be shamed. What that part needs is compassion. Love. So, from the Buddhist point of view, when this kind of process is continuing, then you bring this process into the death process. And then because within your mind, at the end of the death process, you kind of reach a place where, where you know, there is uh, so much potential to project anything into that space, that that process really creates a world for you. So you are reborn. You, you, are, you are reborn into this process and it becomes alive. It becomes like solidified. And then you then you then you end up in a place where you in a in a if you take the other, so now I talked about meanness and aggression. Uh, if you talk about greed, yeah, the hungry ghost in, in us, the addictive person, uh, that then that process then brings you into the hungry ghost realm, where you are born in a world, not born, I mean you are not born, you project the world. You're never born into a world. There is not a world where you can be reborn into. Yeah, we know that because, I mean, we, we know how it is to be caught in, in our own projections into, into, our own, into our own private hell. And uh, and then we can imagine how it is if if you are if you get locked there, you know, because now you know, we have we have possibilities to come here and we have a possi possibilities to start to look through the projections and we receive teachings, so we are very fortunate that it could no, it's it's possible that that we are now slowly come into a into a place in our life where we where we will never be completely fooled anymore by our own projections. That, so that there will be that there is still that there is again and again that space. Okay, I feel that nobody loves me. Okay, that's how I feel, and I see how this comes from my conditioning. I see that. Where it comes from, I see. My, I see the history of it, and I I know it. I feel it, and it fills out my 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 experience. But I can acknowledge it as a projection, and I can see that there's more to me. That's that there's more than me being the unlovable, the, the person who who's not loved.
But imagine if you get locked into that kind of state for for like for years. The sage says it's the result of destructive actions. So there again, it's it's easy for us to read this as a kind of okay. No, then because it's so it's like a punishment. It's the result of destructive actions. It's your own fault. And there can be a fear. Like it can bring an an us like an an aspect of fear into our practice. Like, oh, I need to be good. I need to I want to be good because otherwise I will be punished in the future. How can I be good? Like a child. Oh, I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I'm going to be good. This is a very stupid way to practice. And, and, it, and it's, it, it's a level of practice which, of course, exists a lot. And, and, and it's, uh, religious systems, also the Buddhist systems, partly uses that also. But uh, that's not uh, that's not a mature way to be good. No fear of punishment. So the re sage re say says it's the result of destructive action. So taking responsibility, but. You know, seeing that we are acting in harmful ways because there's pain, because there's a wound, because we are confused, because we are scared. And that cannot be addressed and that cannot be he healed, never, through punishment and fear and guilt. Cannot. That ex that is exactly what that little boy does not need. It's only if you think that people are bad that you know. If you if you don't have that trust in in the basic goodness of everyone, that you that you feel the only way to make people act in a good way is to threaten them because they are bad people. So the only way to make people act in, a, in, a, in, in good ways is to tell them, you will go to hell. And if you are good, then you go to heaven. So in the first scope, um, the main practice is to, is, is, the, is the practice, the um, the, the awareness or the mindfulness around karma. So what does that mean? So it's, it's, so, it's so difficult for us to step out of our uh, guilt, uh, punishment, kind of ethical system, ethical thinking. Either like religious based or like it's, it's bad for the community. The, the community will punish me if I'm not good. If I steal and I get away with it, well, that's fine. Nobody saw me. And and what prevents me from stealing is that steal in a bigger way, like cheat even more in the taxes, is I might be caught. So it's very difficult for us to uh, um, to find a more more uh, more mature way 
And um, Ken McLeod says, It's not good enough to say you will good. It's not good enough to say you will be good or will not behave and will not behave badly. I'm not going to do it anymore. Notice how old you feel when you say, I'll be good. Notice how old you feel when you say, I, I will be good. I will be good. I'm not going to do it anymore. This is a child's approach to life. It's based on all patterns of seeking parental attention and affection and avoiding punishment. It's based on all patterns of seeking parental attention and affection and avoiding punishment. So it's, it's a kind of uh, constructive behavior which is dependent on outside. It's not coming from inside. So, forget about being good or bad. Bring attention to your life. So that's like, bring attention to your life. So how do you work with this? Bring attention to your life. Experience what is actually happening in you. you know, experiencing what is actually happening in you. What is happening when you, when you, when you hit? When you, when you say something mean? when you're cold? What is happening when you're reactive? What is happening in you when you, when you, when you are greedy? So pay attention to that. Notice what is happening. No, connect with the pain. And what, what is behind that? What is needed? What needs, what needs care? What is it what you're avoiding? Well, that's also a good question. Like when you notice that you are caught in a pattern of lying. So what is it what you're avoiding? What is, what you, what is it what you don't want to feel? What do you want to compensate? through these actions. So know what you are doing, know what you are doing, so that's the, the honesty, the, the, the mindfulness, being aware what's happening, what you're doing, and how it affects others. So that's also uh, to become aware how how our our the things we say and how we say it how that affects others to become aware of that so that's completely different you know uh, to 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 kind of get afraid of being punished in the future because you're drinking and then becoming aware of how your behavior, how your addictive behavior, whatever it is, actually affects others. That could be watching television in the evening. Like, you're watching television, how does it affect your family, for example? So, I, I think that's very beautiful to, to bring that into, into this, uh, you know, into this working with this process of cause and effect you know, of karma to become aware that the way you talk with others the way you talk with the person in the shop the way you talk with the person your client you know, your, your the customer you talk with you talk with affects has as effect as an effect of that person so how does it affect others so again that's no it's always about 
balance there. Now, so now is a, such an interesting moment also for me because I can feel how what I just said uh, will be quite good and inspiring for some of you. And for some of you, it's dif it, it's difficult because, you know, if you are a very anxious person and you're always afraid how you affect others and you're too careful and you, do, you almost don't want to move and, uh, and uh, you know, and then you hear something like that, then, I, then I'm so sorry. <laughs> I want to take it back. And it's, it's like that all the time. It's impossible to sit here. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it right. The main theme in the first scope is to pay attention how what you're doing, what is happening, why you are doing it, what kind of feelings are there, what is the intention behind. And becoming aware of how your activities, what you do, what you say, how it affects others. Because you understand that through uh, the way you affect others, you create your future, you establish patterns. You, uh, uh, you, you support belief systems in you and ways to relate to the world which then shape the world you live in. So part of this is also on that level of practice is creating the foundation now in the way we relate to our lives, the way we live our relationships. Uh, so to do, to do that in a way so that we can continue to practice. So to create through the way you live your life now the foundations or the causes for you to be able to continue to practice. So that it goes not like this, it becomes, you know, the patterns become more and more solid, uh, more and more imprisoned, like this, goes like this, uh, but instead it goes like it opens. You know, more space, more freedom, more kindness. So the teachings on karma, the karmic, you know, the, the, the more a, cl a closer description of this process, so that would be part of uh, the, the practice on the, in, the in the lower scope. And it's also... Um, mm, it can change the way you you take responsibility for what is happening in your life because you start to understand that what is happening in your life from this point of view is not happening by chance or it's not happening uh, because there's a God wanting to punish you or giving you a lesson or something like that. In a way, in a way, you could see what is happening in your life as a kind of feedback of where you are supposed to grow, where you are supposed to look, where, where you are supposed to work. Because what is happening in your life is a kind of of an echo coming back to you. It's reflecting habits back. It's reflecting um, patterns back to you, and that gives you the opportunity to work on it.
And maybe you have noticed already uh, <coughs> that if with a certain person or in a certain situation, if you have not figured it out, it will repeat itself. You know, like in this situation with the boss, you know, you, then you go to another company and then you find out, well, there's three difficult people there. Yeah. Well, in, it's a common experience also in relationship that you find yourself in, in, after a while in the same patterns. You know? It's like, yeah, this is how this, this, this is, uh, and that's an opportunity. So it's and if no we can relax. If we are not figuring out this time it will come back. It's no there's no rush. So if you find yourself in a certain situation uh, in a difficult, in a challenging situation. No, you could kind of playfully ask this question: oh, What could be the karmic? What could be the karmic reasons for this? No, what is it? No, what, what kind of pattern is leading to uh, to this situation? Let's say I give you an example. Uh, 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 a simple uh, kind of simplified example. Let's say you find in your life a, a sequence of people stealing things from you. It's just like it happens. You know, in your in your flat is broken in, your car is broken in, and your bike is stolen as well. And within like five months or something like that. So. Uh, if you don't pay attention, what could happen is that you get a kind of paranoia. You get even more like, yeah, like, like you, 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 even your body becomes like the hungry ghost. <laughs> that takes a few lifetimes, but <laughs> it's like a bit like, and um, so. If you are, if you don't pay attention in that moment, what happens is that you strengthen that pattern which lead to these experiences. So now, if you would reflect, okay, what is the karmic, the karmic reason for, for having this experience? Mm, what could it be? Yeah, so you just reflect. I mean, it's. Uh, it's just like you you look inside and you f you f you observe what's coming up. So you ask that question into into this space and, and you think, okay, what, what could be the karmic, what could be the causes for having this kind of experiences? And, uh, and then if you, you know, maybe you can also read the teachings. They also say something about that. And maybe you can find like. Oh yeah, it's probably a lack of generosity. Yeah, that that fits for me. I can recognize this. I can, you know, then you can feel. Yeah, it's actually probably that could be a, a, an area in my life where I could stretch a bit. Your instinct says. Yeah, that says it like. Uh, but that's that is that instinct which makes you like this, let you into that situation. So and then you become so then you are then you become ah it's probably generosity. Okay, so where can I be more generous? Maybe I maybe I'm going to. Maybe I'm going to donate some bikes to a foster home, or you know, something like that. So, and that is then the practice of purification. So, the practice of purification is to respond to a situation your bike was stolen, not from the instinct which actually led to that experience. 
but you you kind of you you work counter instinctual because if you go with your instincts and you become you become more and more possessive around your bike you don't give it to your friends anymore you you lock it up uh, you know and 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 you, you get worried about it very very stingy around it then 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 you go into the hungry ghost realm and uh, so then you pay attention and you you start to you know kind of not follow your instincts not follow the hungry ghost instincts but you you start to you know you go to the other edge okay generosity where can i work a bit more in generosity so then if you open that, if you practice more of that, the bikes will start to flock into your life. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you going to call more bikes into your life? <laughs> According to the Buddhist teachings is that you are generous with your bike. That's how you call bikes into your life. That's how you take care that there will be always a bike in your future. So you 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 purify this habit, uh, this stinginess around the bike. So you purify that, but also by going into the other direction, you create the conditions. So you create the good karma to have bikes in the future. So one can do that with with every situation. And, and, and somehow, somehow, quite often, when you ask that question and you feel into it, you know, there is sometimes, I mean, you know, sometimes answer come like this, and then you start to understand. So, what is the, what is the? Uh, there, there is a, there is a text. It's called the Wheel of Sharp Weapons. Um, Aryadeva is the, the author. And uh, it's a it's a it's a long text, and the text the, the verses they they all go it's something like that. If bikes are stolen from you one after another, <laughs> so the, something like that, and then it says that is the wheel of sharp we weapon coming back to you. From stealing bikes from others, why? You know, from being stingy with bikes. <coughs> so it's a text of, you know, giving you some clues of, and the wheel of sharp weapon is like le, a boomerang. So it's like you throw a boomerang of being stingy with bikes in in the into the universe, and it's circling, it's circling, and circling a long time maybe, and then it hits you. And then, and you have forgotten that you have thrown it. Yeah. So it hits you, and then it's the others, you know, the thieves, the mean thieves, who don't care. Uh, and it has nothing to do with me because I'm such a good man. I never stole a bike in my life. So that's the wheel of sharp weapon. And it comes back to you, yeah. not as a punishment, but as a feedback. <coughs> so again, it's very important that not to fall into it's. Oh, it's my fault. I'm so guilty. I must have been. I must have been such a bad person. I must have stolen so many bikes in my last life. <laughs> okay. Okay, not so much. Uh, let's move to the next uh, first nine. So that's now, now we move into the middle scope of the labyrinth. And, well, the middle level. And in the middle level, uh, the main theme is to 
to develop a strong passion, a strong determination, a strong yearning uh, to free yourself from the ups and downs, you know, to step out. So in the in the begin in the initial scope, it's a bit still like, okay, how can I act? How can I? Uh, what habits can I develop so that I create experiences which uh, support me in my spiritual development? And the second scope is, I'm I'm tired of this up and down. Is there a way out of here? So it's the cultivation of renunciation. Renunciation, it's called. Understanding it's actually possible to be free and how that works. What's the reason for being caught, being trapped, and is there a way out of the prison? And then making that the center of your life. Awakening. You want to make awakening, complete awakening, the, the center of your life. And in the middle scope, it's still, you know, it's about me. It's liberation of me. And then in the third scope, which we will then look into next time, it's then about others. So there comes the compassion, the bodhicitta, and the third scope. And then, the, but in the middle scope is first. You know, first of course you need to, uh, you need to understand and you need to cultivate a strong determination to be free for yourself. Understanding that it is possible. So that's what the, the second scope is about, renunciation, the determination to be free. The happiness of the three worlds disappears in a moment, like a dewdrop on a blade of grass. The highest level of freedom is one that never changes. Aim for this. This is the practice of a bodhisattva. So the happiness of the three worlds disappears in a moment like a dewdrop on a blade of grass. So that's that's the description of the unsatisfactoriness of hedonistic pleasure, of good experiences, that they are permanent. Yeah, it feels good, and then it's gone. The highest level of freedom is one that never changes. Aim for this. So that is kind of turning away from this rat race after good experiences. Like making that the the center of our life. And that's what we are brainwashed into in our culture that, that life is about feeling good and here feeling good not like the genuine feeling good of course life is about feeling good but feeling really good <laughs> yeah yes. can you see the difference of feeling really good and feeling really good means feeling really good is only when it's feeling good which cannot be taken away from you through nothing and nobody. That's the only feeling good worth worth aiming for. All other feeling good is, uh, you know, you can't keep it together, the other feeling good. It's not going to work out. The other, uh, the little feeling good is not working out and it's not your fault. You know, you might feel I'm not smart enough. I should be more of this or more of that. I should have studied this or that, or I should have moved to Stockholm, or I should have married, or something like that. It's not like that. It doesn't matter what you did or what you do. The little feeling good is—it's so yeah. It's not bad. I mean, we should enjoy the little feeling good. <laughs> it, it's fine. Uh, but according to the Buddhist teachings, it's a waste of time to aim for it. 
to make that the purpose of your life. So, what is the purpose of what is what you should aim for, according to the Buddhist teachings, is the highest level of of freedom is one that never changes. It's one. So, what we have, what we're aiming for, is a feeling good that never changes. The little feeling good changes with the weather. Good weather, bad weather, too hot, too cold. Jacket on, jacket off. <laughs> Sweating, oh, it's too hot, it's too cold. It's never right, the temperature. Yeah? And then adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. You know, temperature up, temperature down, repairing. <laughs> Aiming for that, feeling good. Aiming for that, ah, feeling good, it must be here. It must be, no, there must be something I can do. To feel good, and according to the Buddhist teachings, we have done, we have adjusted the temperature, you know, in the room. We have screwed on this thing <laughs> since beginningless time, <laughs> and we have not found the perfect temperature. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. It, that's uh, this moment of it's like a kind of it's like nah, enough you know. it's just I did this, I did that I tried this, I tried <coughs> that and now it's enough it's just something else I'm, I, I'm just tired of adjusting the temperature like crazy, worrying all the time. And so that's uh, when then renunciation grows. So then aim for the aim for aim for the freedom that is not changing. Aim for the happiness which is not changing. The big happiness, and of course the big happiness uh, includes the. The difficult and the beautiful, and so it includes the whole thing. But what does it mean, not changing? It's, uh, it's like the sky. The sky does not change. What changes is the weather. The, what moves to the sky. So, That's the question. Yeah. So is there a happiness or like a contentment, a deep satisfaction or a deep a deep joy which is independent from how well your life is going? And in the in the in the, I mean, obviously, like when you meet masters like Sul in the Dalai Lama, it seems to be actually possible to to come into a place where there is a happiness, a, a radiant joy, and it's not the uh, the excited joy. It's not the excited happiness. So the, the deep happiness is that your happiness is not dependent of having a red Porsche or a little Fiat <laughs> broken or no car, just a bike or just walking or, or not even have shoes for walking. But, but I, I don't see if you think a line here and there's the Porsche and what is there? It is to have nothing to, to, to not value what uh, would make me happy. No, what, what is, is the inner values there? 
to understand mm -hmm. the line here where there is yeah. the Porsche and what is there. Yeah, so there is that line mm -hmm. and what you aim for is a contentment and a happiness which is independent of what is happening on that line. That does not mean that you, you that you shouldn't uh, enjoy the red Porsche, yeah. So if you have it, well, that's great. Uh, if you want to have more red Porsche in the future, you better generous with it, <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it's just a one-time shot. <laughs> yeah. So share it. You know, shared with your friends and, and so on. Uh, but if your happiness is dependent on it, then you're doomed because it's going to it's going to break. Mm -hmm. it's, it can uh, make me happy the red Porsche, but it it uh, it's not all of my life. I can yes. see that it's an illusion. Even though yeah. I can enjoy yes. it, I can yeah. see it for an illusion. Yeah, yeah, illusion. Yeah. Or, or, or I mean that is not the reason why I could feel yes. content and happy. Yeah, yeah, 